And a one and a two and a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, because that's what time it is. It's midnight, Ryan Glatzbeagle of the New York Post. How you doing? Um yeah, I, I started the day hungover, too, because I had five glasses of bourbon last night. <laughs> Why would you do that, you know? Like, what kind of life are you living? In the uh, week? In the middle of the week? On, on a school night. I don't. I, I went out um, for three with a friend, and then I came back, and the dive bar a block from my house was tantalizing. I went there. That I was the only person in the bar. I just had sipped two cups of Jim Beam and dominated the touch tunes. Well, that's very impressive, very Midwestern of you. I am punch drunk, my friend. I am. I have written about seven thousand words in the last three days. Um, I feel like there's a good chance of us being indiscreet on this particular call. You are sleepy, hungover. <laughs> I am punch drunk. Lack of sleep. Been writing mind caving in on itself and we have a lot to talk about and a lot of controversy controversy in the sports world i feel as though we were in a dead zone and now uh now the harvest is ripe there's just so F- much football just you know ratchets everything up yeah yeah it brings everything to the fore at the same time i think the main topics of controversy are not football the football stuff is actual interesting business uh where huh amazon you know the first amazon game what does that mean for amazon how are they going to leverage football we have those questions but the other sports have some of the more uh, ugly things happening in them and which do you want to go with i i wrote BYU Duke story, which we've talked about. Yeah, we, we about did that Robert two straight weeks. I think I feel like we adjudicated that between ourselves. Yes, yeah, we did. And you know what? Let's give ourselves a pat on the back. I feel like we knew which way it was going uh, way before uh, the media kind of caught on. I'm just going to say that right now. I think we should give ourselves a pat on good, the back. Good, good job by us. Good job by us. Um <laughs> So do you want to talk a little... Uh, yeah, let's do little... Sarver. Let's do Sarver first, because that's fresh. That's your area of mm. expertise. You wrote about it today. Um, <laughs> My area of I've expertise, uh, workplace racism and sexism. It's the <laughs> thing I know best. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the NBA and really yes. just the machinations of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. The big lie that we're all telling everybody about how I am shocked about what happened here. This is shocking. I'm so shocked. Oh, my God. And it, it's a big performance. And it's fun to write these because people in the league do reach out and they go, thank you for saying that. I feel as though I'm watching everybody uh, perform. And uh, the expository, for those who do not know, uh, Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. Governor. Uh, <laughs> governor. 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 Governor of the Suns. Um, he, uh, there, there was a bombshell report by ESPN at the end of 2021 into his inappropriate workplace behavior. They interviewed over 70 people for that article. Um, and I, I'm going to, you know, this will be potentially relevant. Uh, this bombshell report comes out around the same time, perhaps a coincidence that Bob Iger, uh, former Disney head honcho steps away from the company formally and uh it's reported that he wants to buy the phoenix suns it's just a very strange coincidence very odd and yes. it's also odd that nobody in the media talks about it that's another aspect to it maybe it's coincidental maybe it's relevant maybe it's and, not. and by the way like espn this is a little bit of a um side road on this but you know, over the last five years, ESPN has gotten out of the business of exposing the really seedy underbelly of their partners as much. Like, you know, this would not have been as uncommon of a story from like, I don't know, 2007 to 2017 ESPN. But Mm. over the last five years, you've seen way less things like this about, you know, a team owner. Yeah. And it's it is it's uncommon it's odd it's and I don't... one thing if like it, it comes out and they're reacting to it but this was them driving the story completely like, this was, was not like, a story driving like 
they weren't dra- driving like the Mavs stories, you know, over yes. the last few years. That that was like SI and other outlets. So, Good point. Um, and, you know, it's not to impugn whatever is in there. And I think uh, Baxter Holmes, I know Baxter, and I think he's a, he's a talented guy. And I'm not, I'm not trying to insinuate more than what's there as, as to how well, this Well, yeah, I be. mean, like, because when it came out, I was thinking to myself, wow, it was remarkable that he was, like, allowed to get that through. Yes. And I think what we're remarking on is this. It's not a story that would otherwise exist but for them. It's not a story that everybody else in the NBA media ecosystem was elbowing each other out of the way to pursue or saying to one another, oh, my God, this thing is going to this thing is going to explode one day. By the way, there are a few of those that just never popped off um, Dallas. Uh, but, you know, notwithstanding. Um, so we're just that's the backdrop. And so the NBA does an investigation into Sarver independent investigation interviewing over 300 people former current sons employees um they come out with the findings there's salacious stuff in there uh robert sarver dropping the n-bomb five times over his uh, 18 year reign apparently all in context and i don't think that we're completely honest with ourselves about how the mores on that have kind of shifted but i think he also sent an email with it in there that was fairly recent. Uh, so that's one of the uh, the sticking points, the bullet points, um, some casual sexist talk, and uh, this comes out. And so there's this expectation or demand that Adam Silver, you banned Donald Sterling for life in 2014. Are you going to get up in this news conference and do the same with Robert Sarver? He did not. He suspended him for a year. And he gave him a $10 million fine. And if you just look at the media reaction, it's very disappointment, uh, very disappointed. High dudgeon. Uh, Silver has disappointed us. And I wrote about it because my take on this is effectively that Adam Silver made the right call. Uh, perhaps he shouldn't have even done the press conference. He maybe should have just minimized the blast radius on his decision. But he made the right call. And that the media... I think is exhorting the NBA to do something highly impractical for the sake of, I guess, moral Twitter popularity that would really imperil, I think, aspects of their business and for what and for why. I mean, this is a whole other topic that I didn't really get into. I do think there's an intense bubble mentality in NBA media where they start assuming that the rest of the country is quite invested in stories that do not matter. And nobody cares about very few people in the United States know who Robert Sarver is, let alone care about anything he did. This is not this is not important. And the interesting quirk, though, you could say is, well, what if the players care now? Which players care? Again, very interesting background that, hey, the people at ESPN were more than willing to tell you that Bob Iger and Chris Paul were besties, were best friends. Uh, for other stories that they have done, um, there hasn't been much mention of it. And yet the relationship remains. And lo and behold, who's the only Phoenix Sun that I know of who publicly commented on the story and said the punishment didn't go far enough? That That's Chris Paul, uh, Bob Iger's best friend. Very, very interesting. And uh, also interesting is uh, Chris Paul's best player friend, LeBron James, putting out a statement and saying that Robert Sarver should be banned for life. None of this is to defend Robert Sarver. Uh, it's just to say these are curious machinations. And forgive me for being cynical, but I worked in the NBA for many years, and I don't believe any of these people are being genuine. I'm sorry, I don't. Everybody also, looks for I their own advantage. I believe LeBron wrote that tweet. You know, another good job by us. It might have been like six months ago. We suggested yeah. that his tweets get filtered through an editor, and that appears to be happening now. Well, he does um, the Donald Trump thing, where there are two kinds of tweets, at least back when Donald Trump <laughs> was allowed to use Twitter, where you can tell when it's really Trump, and you can tell when it's the handler. LeBron, enemy of Donald Trump, is yet another one of these people who uh, have a lot of crossover, a lot of personality overlap. Um, and I think that is one of the that is one of the commonalities I would identify. Yeah. So, I mean, this tweet about um, about Sarver is not written by LeBron. I would bet just an inordinate amount of my assets on that. 
Um, yeah. The so uh, on these types of stories where there's like an obvious villain, I always just groan, and we're seeing it with Brett Favre too this yeah. week. Um, oh yeah, let's talk about, about that. Let's talk about that down the road too, because that's another one where. This is a hard thing to articulate, and I want you to get into it, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but I often feel like the emphasis of media and the level of moral outrage is highly arbitrary, and so many people just run with the premise because it came from the media, and therefore, therefore, but yeah, I, I let's let's hear you talk the, about these, these situations where people are just like triple it, tripping over themselves to prove that they are the most virtuous and they're the most upset about this like perceived injustice. They always really make me uncomfortable. Cause so I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle like reaching that level yeah. of like incredulity. Yeah. And I, I, I'm allergic to it as well. And I don't know if it's because we're both maybe undiagnosed on the spectrum uh, as some people may have suggest, uh, suggested in positive reviews of our show. But I, I feel the same way where I just don't I, – I watch people vibing to the emotion of it all and am put off by it uh, viscerally. Yeah, I, I mean there are things that I get like really mad about. And so like with this Favre thing – it's like so hard to describe like very in any type of like brief manner, but my general like take on it is that in any region where one political party yes. dominates and has a monopoly, yeah. then Lack what happens as a result of it is just like unfettered graft and clout chasing amongst yeah. bureaucrats and people, they like, they, they just, they, Obviously, the fact that like this money was diverted from welfare and hungry children is like very, very bad, and um, like you can't say how bad it is. You can't quantify it. But um, like at the same time, I don't think that like Favre was like you know the primary villain here, and no. he is being painted as I, it. Because I don't. He's the I'm just gonna person. say this. I'm just gonna say this, and I feel like we have more leeway to say it culturally frankly, because he's a white guy, I don't think Farb is that smart. That's just my read. That's just my read from various public appearances, old gunslinger, you know, entertaining, entertaining player. Uh, I, he's never struck me as a Machiavellian Bernie Madoff fraudster. Just putting that out All right, there. Well, so there, there's like a few elements of like how he got this money. He got like a couple million to do appearances or speeches or whatever that he never wound up giving. Um, I'm not sure like if that happened because of like the pandemic or it was like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge money for nothing agreement or what. Mm. Um, he paid that back three years ago um, when like this originally came out. Then they like invested money in his like nonsense concussion drug company, um, which that part of the story isn't really getting covered. So I'm not sure what happened with it. And then he secured five million of funding for like a women's volleyball arena and his daughter was on the team. Um, but like that's the thing that people are getting the most mad about this week is that. And so he like what they're really getting mad about is look, look again the money should not have come from welfare and the republicans in mississippi who have had a monopoly since before we were born um just probably were, robbing the state blind you know like robbing robbing it blind like these are people who don't believe in welfare and because of like the wide latitude of the federal funds that were coming to them they figured out how to steal it and they did um and I'm not defending them, but like, you know, look how mad people have been getting about the fact that he raised money for women's sports. And <laughs> um, like that, that has been like a very like ironic part of all of this for me to like kind of passively observe this week. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the conclusion is. Like, yeah, he wanted to be like, you know, the big shot who secured $5 million of funding for it. And I'm sure 
he had his own vain purposes for it. But like women's volleyball is really like kind of like growing in America under the radar. Like mm. Wisconsin sells out their women's volleyball games. Like there was I noticed I noticed there were a lot of people at the BYU Duke game, but yes. You no no I like it um it's quietly like really growing as a sport and it hasn't gotten like that much attention. But I don't know, just that aspect of it, like where he, one person after another was like lining up to rip him for raising money for this women's volleyball arena. And I don't think that like you could have predicted that. I think it's approved outgroup stuff. He's MAGA, you know, it, it, and Shannon frankly, Sharp like went on TV and was like, "Yeah, the more of the thieves look like Brett Favre." It was just like a shocking thing that you're just like allowed to say. That's very and and then Jeff Perlman, who I guess wrote a Favre biography, the author of Winning Time. I'm looking at this tweet that he had. So sincere. Uh, I guess there was probably a whole thread. Uh, I I don't know if I can just go through the entire thread of it, but the first is on the day of extended Favre revelations. I want to share something. I wrote a biography of the man that was largely glowing. Football heroics, overcoming obstacles, practical joker, etc. Yes, it included his grossness, addictions, treatment of women, but it was fairly positive. And he just rends garments. <laughs> like, don't buy or read this book. And finally, with a photo of a burning Favre jersey and a grill. Looks like one of those egg grills. Um, he says, so sincerely. Don't buy the book. Don't take it out from the library. Leave it. There are so many better people worthy of your reading hours, of your time. I prefer crumbs like Brett Favre shuffle off into the abyss, shamed by greed and selfishness. It's just, come on, bro. <laughs> I, I like Jeff Perlman, but it, it was overwrought. Um... I mean, or just what if I'm interested in Brett Favre's life? It just, I don't know. You think about but somebody. You, you don't only read about good people. Like, should we just, like, ignore all of, like, the heinous people who have existed? Like, should we only read about saints? I don't know. I just, I I don't know. It's, Maybe I, you I actually update the biography well, stuff in it, and so then it's more complete. It's not I, like it needs to be, like, never, yeah, like, touched again. Write an epilogue, you know, do, do that. I don't know. I, I couldn't even find this at first as you were talking. I remembered and I was looking for it and it was difficult because he tweets constantly about just partisan politics, one tweet after the other. And I think that's part of what's going on with the Favre aspect where because he's MAGA guy, then we have to be just extra angry over you know, there frankly, was way more outrage over this than like all of the money that got donated to BLM getting misappropriated. Yeah, it's just people. about your view of who the enemy is in a lot of these instances. And um, it, it, I think that's that's what determines a lot of the outrage. And if we're honest, uh, during the whole COVID funds era, there was a lot of it was a very leaky bucket. So it was happening in a lot of places. Not to excuse Th Brett Favre, probably has gone for that, but yeah, it, it, yeah, I think this is the impulse we have. Of, we've seen a lot of clout chasing, like graft, over the last several years, and this has just gotten very peculiarly isolated. Look, I'm a Packers fan. Like Brett Favre was one of my like childhood sports heroes. You know, you don't see me out here like defending like Darren Sharper or Mark Shimura, but um, <laughs> yeah, God, like, that would be the ultimate contrarian take on this show to defend Darren Sharper. But you were saying, geez. like, the I'm not defending him once again, I'm just saying yeah. that, like the proportion of the outrage over all this stuff has been you know, sticking out as peculiar to me. And also, yeah. like, you know, the people who are, like, breaking these stories, I'm looking at, like, the way that they're framing it, and I'm just like, you know, uh, they're, they're kind of in business for themselves, too. And I don't, like, believe that... I, I You know, I'm not going to go and look at all the primary source, like, court documents well, myself, so yeah, I, you have I, to kind of take their word for it, but... I, I don't know. I, I kind of see in them the type of like, you know, media members that I've grown a little bit wary of over the last few years. Yeah.
Yeah. I mean, what we're identifying is the sort of two minutes hate figure and how it almost becomes less about the actual person and their degree of offense and some other proxy war is taking place. And I think we're reacting to that, but Hey, maybe Chicago, Charlie, who is hopping on the call, maybe he thinks that we're wrong. I don't know. Sometimes he upbraids us. It occasionally happens. Maybe he'll agree with us. We'll see. Charlie. Fellas, you know, I, Ethan, I have to say, I, I do agree in large part with your article um, about Sarver today, but, I am a little disappointed, man. I count on you as a Straussaholic. I count on you <laughs> to not offer some of the same vague uh, passive aggression, passive aggressiveness that and straw men that. Oh, so I think rampant. I know where you're going. I think I might and, have an explanation of, of, of why this happened. It might so have something even, to do with an NDA I signed, but yes. Oh, okay. Well, that might make sense. But so even even in the show tonight, you guys, you've referenced the media like six or yeah. seven times. There, there's in, a lot out there. I will say this. There's a lot out there from NBA media members uh, flipping their lid about Robert Sarver and saying that Adam Silver screwed up mightily. And a lot of it has come from a place uh, that I might have had an affiliation with, and that makes it might tricky. It might be opened by the football-hating New York Times. <laughs> the, okay. The so football there's some legal matters. There's yes. some legal matters that can account for that. Okay. Yeah, but I you guess... know, to be to, but to be fair, I think that I certainly could have found other examples. And sometimes when you write four thousand words, it, you, you 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 don't you don't dot that I and you don't cross that T. And if I could do it over again, I would try to find some more examples of, uh, of the media going a little far on this. And maybe there was some cowardice, right? Maybe there was an element of, uh, I like this media member. I don't want to expose them to that criticism. And, you know, maybe, Hey, I'm a human being. It happens. Maybe there's I mean, a little I bit of that, I, I went back and read your Aaron Rodgers piece though, as kind of a, contrast and like right off the bat it's like seven examples boom 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 and i just feel like i just feel like man dude if you're gonna say these people are you know kind of being impractical to up their social media clout like you gotta name some names that's you know that's that's yeah yeah it's uh it's it's tough it's tough and uh it really is a monolith and you just you know you see it and it's kind of in one eye out the other and Mm. um yeah because here here's what i would say who was raising their voice and saying hey it's a good it's a good decision by a silver it's a good choice you know a year (laughs) that kind of makes sense yeah that's that's fine 10 mil they they can't like be kicking out owners all the time because (laughs) It, as Ethan argued in the piece, it really devalues what you can sell it for. If, if people um, like th- th- these billionaires just know they're going to be um, like they can lose this and get a forced sale in a media tempest. And like, yeah, yeah there, there are going to be certain situations where you have to fire that bullet. Um, somehow the NFL has resisted doing it on Daniel Snyder and what, like, I think his collective crimes are much worse than Robert Sarver's and like, for whatever reason, they have not been like the other NFL owners have not been willing to knock him out. I think it might have a little bit to do with the fact that it's like teams are perpetual losers and they like having like a tomato can that they can be or or the nfl is just more of um a practical uh bloody sport or i don't even know what adjectives i'm looking for but... it's kind of just jerry jones just like he's like look yeah. we, we need to hold the line and he gets everybody in line behind him yeah, and I, you know, as I was trying to make this argument, it's a difficult argument to make because banning Donald Sterling was good, but in a weird way, they got hooked on that moment, and Silver got defined on that uh, by that moment. And there's this perverse incentive structure currently in the social media era where you're almost better off, you almost have more immunity if people think that you're worse, and people, uh, the the fact that I that I wasn't viewed as any kind of moral arbiter 
in the past uh, as just a sports writer, I think allowed me in some ways to not lose, I don't like not lose friends uh, talking about certain things. I would have lost other people, friends. And um, I think you see that dynamic play out in the NBA where it's used against silver that he was branded as progressive and somebody who is willing to kick out an owner. Now the media just says, well, you're obviously a fraud and you're bad because you're not doing it. And I, here's the main His point big, that I'm going to make. Giving that press conference. Um, and I know this is like ironic for me as like a member of the press who really depends on quotes in my day-to-day life in terms of writing stories. And I, I enjoy talking to people and I aggregate a lot of other quotes that have been collected by other reporters. But there was no win to be had. I, I would have advised him not to do it. Uh, to be clear and to agree with you, I, I, if I was advising him, I would say, just put out a, put out an email, you know, like what more needs did, to be yes, said. Which he did, and it didn't satisfy anyone. And then when people call, be like, okay, well, what call Mike Bass. That's his job. He's the press secretary, like talk to him. Um, and he'll just say, look, we put out the statement. We That's what we stand behind. Um, we, I don't have anything else for you here. I'm sorry. Um, like, they didn't need to release this right before he was set to speak to the media. Like, he could have spoken to the media at this meeting, and then they put this report out next week. And they could have put it out on a Friday instead of a Tuesday. And then by like the following Monday or Tuesday, I don't think anybody's talking about it anymore. I agree with that all completely. Um, and I like that we just have Charlie in the box here. He, he's with us. And, he's welcome uh, to chime in. On he'll, he'll I, 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 do, I do have a quick follow-up kind of along yeah. those lines. I guess I'm just curious what you two feel is a fair expectation fans should have for um, media to uncover stuff like this on a scale from – you know, Sarver to Sterling. Mm. I know you guys, you said that like nobody cares about the Sarver stuff. And I don't know. I, I feel like if the Bucks owners were doing this, I would want to know, you know, yeah. but I, I no, know. That, joking. I don't know they are, but it's um, just fun. Yeah. Around. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Um, but there, and I know like I've been article about one of them a number of years back and it didn't get any pickup from there. I'll say that. Yeah. And I, I'd like to think I'm not naive and I know like billionaires play in different games, but I just, I don't know, man, like what, how, I keep hearing like, oh, stuff is an open secret, open secret. And it's just like, man, what other open secrets are out there that we don't know about, you know? Uh, a lot. And, um, and, and especially when it comes to just the general manner of these guys and how they deal uh, and how they talk to people, you know, the, it's not like Sarver stood out among NBA owners. And um, so I think that's an aspect of it. And I think that um, your question's a good one. What should the expectation be? Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, I would say that like the expectation is that these, I think going forward, the expectation is that these type of scandals are going to be covered in like the New York times or Washington Post or maybe even SI but I don't think you're going to see them very often I, from ESPN. I, I do wonder if there should be at least some attempt to explain to the reader or the fan why it's their, why this is a major concern of theirs or what this means. And I think if there's illegality, then that, that just makes news on its own. But if it's just this insinuation that what's going on behind the scenes isn't moral, then I often do feel, well, what are we exactly talking about here? You know, what's the what's the emphasis? And I understand a report here or there, but if we're investing a tremendous amount of resources um, into it, then it, it is a little confounding on on occasion. But I'm also somebody who just likes having more information. So, you know, maybe that just justifies it. I, I can't answer that question. It's a very good question. Um, I'm not sure what the answer should be. I just think that the NBA writ large, and this is a theme of the article, and I'll put it more plainly here than I put it, I suppose, shouldn't listen to the media. 
That's that's really the main point of what I'm saying, that listening to the media is a bad idea. Yeah, listening to the media has gotten them behind the eight ball and it's eroded their margin of error. Yeah. And I mean, look at the terrible advice the media is giving them today. Just uh, try to fire an owner who has property rights. It'll be a protracted lawsuit. Yeah. And then let's see who he can bring down with him. Yeah, he'll bring down others with him. It will. You think nobody's ever said anything insensitive to him? Like what? (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, God knows how many emails uh, he has his hands on, and God knows what else is being done by these other owners. And And he might have smoking guns on like seven of these owners. Yeah, and the reason you see Silver so reluctant to stick a knife in him, let's be real. It's because this is a negotiated settlement. This is Robert Sarver going, okay, I'll take my medicine. I'll go away for a year. Here's your $10 million, Adam. I, I, I get it. I fucked up. I understand it. If it becomes, let's go and get Robert Sarver and push him out of the league, then it becomes a fight and it drags the NBA down. And for what? And for why? Right? are you that certain that whoever you replace him with is going to be superior morally? I don't know if Bob Iger is superior morally to Robert Sarver. And every other word about how much he loves China and loves censoring content on their behalf. Does he seem like a good guy? I don't think so. Yeah. I I mean, the, we, we could go into any number of like thing issues we've had with Disney over like the years. Plus I don't, he doesn't have the money. He's not, I don't, is he even a billionaire? Like he doesn't got to join. He's got to, he's got to join some other folks in order to get it, in order to get it done. Um, which and I sure it, can find and like bring the collection of them together. But like the, the NBA and NFL and MLB, they want principal owners who have enough money to buy the whole team. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's that's all part of why perhaps right, Bob has more money than I'm going to make in 35 lifetimes or whatever. But <laughs> hey, we not don't, rich we, enough to buy the Suns. Hey, we don't know that. You know, maybe the inflation gets going. We'll see. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see I'm about not, I'm it. Not to, like you know, <laughs> um, denigrate the amount of money that Bob Iger has. But no, is it, but we understand buying an NBA team uh, level of level of money um, is is a different. That's a different a differentiating echelon uh, of money, and so. Yeah, that's the main thing I'm saying is that the media will give the sport advice purely on the basis of morality in the Twitter moment. And that's not the same thing as good practical advice for a steward of an industry. And yeah, sometimes you have to weigh moral concerns. You can't be totally amoral. But pursuing their crusades, I don't think has worked out for the league. And there's a tremendous stigma in media against seeing that but it's obvious sterling out because he was demented and his wife played along with it like she she was part of the trust which gave them an opportunity and a a way to uh, a way to pull this off that's not that's not this robert sarver situation and uh who knows maybe more will come out and it will be so horrible and it will be a legal act and we'll go okay we We've changed our minds on on all of this. But the other thing about it is this way these situations make liars of everybody. And they're just not being real about what the NBA is. That it's a highly masculine, show business, debauched place where people do not act like they do in workplaces. And maybe you could argue it's time that they do that. Um, Maybe. But we're a long way from there. So when you see a LeBron statement about how sexism has no place in it, like, oh, come on, man. Like, you, you know, you've been in a locker room. Let's just come on. <laughs> come on. You know, you see that clip of Anthony Edwards, right, that I mentioned, that clip where Anthony Edwards is looking at gay men on the street and calling them queers and or queer and lamenting what the world has come to. That is not a non-normative perspective in the NBA. Just to give an indication, right? Again, I didn't see a LeBron tweet about that clutch client. It was weird. Well, 
homo there's place in the game for homophobia just not the others <laughs> there's, there's place there's a place for that um yeah i mean and i'm not even trying to be that judgmental towards anthony edwards who, who's a young guy and shouldn't be handling himself that way but i almost look at it as this is the culture of the locker room and it's not like if he was with his teammates in all likelihood, they would go, Hey man, that's not cool. Right. Like this uh, is reminding me is a little bit of a non sequitur, but, um, your guy, I like him, but he's your guy. Damon had a great tweet earlier this week about uh, the for the redeem team. So like LeBron and Wade and Carmelo and stuff are like involved in the production of this Netflix documentary on the Redeem team that, like, I don't remember what year it was, but they won the gold medal after the, you know, debacle where the U.S. didn't win the gold medal. And are these people, like, it came out in um, Ian O'Connor's book about Coach K that, like, Kobe just undressed like LeBron and made coach K rein him in. Um, Mm. Or maybe it was the other way around or something. I don't know. Whatever it was um, like, but like Damon said like that Kobe was the heart and soul and best player of this team. Are they going to give him the due of being ahead of them on the, the like pecking order in this documentary? I don't think so. And I'm not even sure they should. We're going to get so mad. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Domin, uh, you know, he can't, love the guy. One of the best analysts of of so many things. And yet on Laker matters, do I trust him? On Kobe matters, do I trust him? Um, A little bit, maybe. I, I might push back. I I'm trying to even remember what those days were like. He really came through in the Spain game, but that game has been exaggerated to such an extent. They make it sound like the closest game that ever was. It was a double-digit victory. I know the U.S. had to uh, had to really pull it out in the end, but that's so many Warriors games in the Dynasty era where it's tight, it's tight, it's tight, zoom, it's not. Uh, that happens when there's an unbalanced uh, talent uh, situation. So, yeah. Over- 70 people listening live at nearly one in the morning on the East coast. You, <laughs> those fans. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. It's like, look, we all need to return it to the topic at hand. We all need to operate with a little bit of hypocrisy. We all need to sort of perform, uh, for the public to a degree, but the chasm between what it is on the inside and what it is on the outside when it comes to the NBA culture is just massive. And I don't necessarily think that's been good for the sport. I, I don't think it's been good for the sport that it's been branded as more virtuous than the other leagues, uh, because then you have to kind of keep up the lie and the cognitive dissonance. I think they would have been better off just saying, hey, we try to put out the best product possible and we try to put out the best sport possible. And we let our players, you know, talk about what they feel is relevant to talk about and take whatever political positions they want to take. But the whole branding exercise of the Ted talk era of the NBA, I think has negatively impacted its ability to function. And it's in a way also uh, deceived the people covering it into thinking it's about something that it's not about. So that's that's my sermon on the matter in addition to the 4,000 words I wrote. <laughs> um, what, do we, do, what else do we need to talk about? Do, you, do we want to briefly go over like the NFL ratings? or um... That might be new to me because I've been in writing world and I haven't contextualized uh, however the NFL is doing in the uh, – PD out of home viewing era, and so you know I, well, I will be reacting to it live. compared to like now at least year over year is still is like a constant with that. Um, it was slight up, you know. The New York Times is like very excited that the opener on Thursday uh, was was down. It was like went from like twenty five to like eighteen million or something. But then Sunday night football was flip-flopped like basically 
last year's opener was Bucks Cowboys, and that's Brady, and it's the Cowboys, and they're the biggest draw as a team, and Brady's the biggest individual draw. So that was the opener, and the opener was down versus that. But then Bucks Cowboys was Sunday night football, and so when you're comparing it to not Bucks Cowboys, it was an enormous leap. And so. Um, basically the opener and Sunday night got flip-flopped and up versus down. And then um, Sunday afternoon was like up a bit. And then Monday was up a bit with the caveat that um, like Monday did like the best Monday night football ratings since like 1999, but it was simulcast on ESPN. Oh, that's, 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 I hate hate when they do that. There aren't that many like comparison points where they've done it on both of those. And, but like, you know, there's maybe been like six or seven or eight of them. There were like several of the last couple of years, including week one last year. But, um, yeah, that that one did like a very good number. And so like in aggregate week one was like slightly up versus last year. So it's on a good path, but everybody kind of is bracing for um the numbers on Amazon to be down versus what they were when the games were on uh, Fox and even NFL Network. And so Nielsen is actually going to be measuring this. And next week we're going to like find out what uh, NFL game that is pretty close late can do on a streaming platform. Yeah. Well, the, the Amazon aspect, I feel a little bit creeped out by it. And maybe I shouldn't be. But I do have this instinct when people start talking about how they're going to know everything about you, um, which will be valuable to advertisers because Amazon's got its hooks into uh, so many people's homes and their purchasing habits. I do have the sense of, is this a, a, an opening of Pandora's box um, or am I, or am I being paranoid? You know, well, one way it's direction. opening on Pandora's box is that, you can't really channel flip between these like OTT platforms. You would put it on and, you know, maybe you can leave for halftime or whatever, but it takes a couple minutes to get it booted back up. And so you're not like flipping around. You're much more captive for the commercials. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a strange shift. I thought the I, I was checking it out a little bit before we hopped on this. I thought the quality was pretty good. Well, yeah, um, I mean, they got the producers from NBC Sunday Night Football who are regarded as the best, if not, or like at the very least among the best. I think like Fox NFL's big game and NBC Sunday Night Football are probably, in my opinion, tied as the two best productions. And they got the people behind NBC's to run the Amazon production. So, of course, it's going to look brilliant. Now, I had, like, there had been, like, rumblings that, you know, they were going to, like, revolutionize production for this or whatever. I didn't notice any production difference. We don't want it revolutionized. I think that's something that there's an aspect of mission creep with this stuff. And I remember at ESPN, they were always trying to throw out some bells and whistles for the NBA product. And they spent a bunch of money on some sort of weird holographic storyteller thing that they would wheel uh, to the center court, and then everybody forgot about it because we kind of just like the meat and potatoes. We want the, the, the side booger view. mobile. Remember that the what the booger mobile on Monday Night Football, <laughs> where they had him on this like roving cart. Which, by the way, like there was one game where I went to a Bears Seahawks game, and I was like in the first ten rows, and he would like block a third of the field from you. <laughs> the- yeah. Um, but yeah, he, where he was like a roving color commentator on a moving cart, um, that they tried that. They try a lot of stuff and that never adds value. Um, and the The only thing that's really added value. Camera angles on basketball where they're zoomed in on the ball and just whatever you want to happen on a possession as a fan when they do that and it winds up like it, it messes your ability to like think you can control the game and no, no like we want the side view 
even though it's a dumb way to watch football. I mean, I would maybe prefer the Madden view, but they've never really committed to it. And that's really the only revolution, the the revolutionary thing that I think they could do that could maybe work. But all the other stuff is a distraction. The thing that it's worked is it's just an alternate broadcast, the Manning cast. That's the, that's the thing that has worked, but the, the hit rate on this stuff uh, doesn't succeed. And it's not, it's hard to improve. Perfect. People enjoy watching a sporting event from the angle they're used to and having uh, people describe it. And you do that pretty well. And the image looks clear. Uh, you don't need to do a whole lot else. The worst. Oh, here's the worst. My least favorite one, Ryan, um, was TNT got into the habit uh, whenever there was a breakaway dunk of shifting the camera angle mid dunk to under the basket. So you <laughs> lost all perspective on how far away the dunk was and every LeBron James dunk that was happening on Turner. You just jarringly mid flight and just give you a seizure of just like shifted it. That's another example where they're making it worse by trying to make it better. You know, I will say, though, you talk about how it creeps you out a little bit that this stuff is going into Amazon. You know who badly wants Amazon to be a player is the NBA. And everybody who works on the NBA at ESPN really wants Amazon Mm. to get into this package because... Um, Turner barely hires anybody new, and so if they're no, no, on... they don't barely hire anybody new. Then they just they just laid off like thirty percent of their workforce ahead of uh, a TV rights yeah, battle. People, but yeah, but I'm talking about like talents, like yeah, and yeah, they they did they did get rid of Wade, although apparently like that was mutual or whatever. But um, the the ESPN people who have no leverage because they, like, they're like, I want to race. Like, okay, where are you going to go? Uh, they, they try to go to Turner. Nope, sorry, not interested. We've had the same 18 people on mm-hmm. our game and studio for 20 years. We yeah. may add one new person every three or four years. Sorry, not interested. And now, all of a sudden, if Amazon is having to staff up producers and broadcasters and even journalists from scratch, then the leverage exists again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about Amazon's level of interest in the NBA. Um, there kind of seems pretty consensus that either them or Apple gets some carve out. I don't think Bezos cares about sports. I think he looks at this as purely a money-making endeavor. That's just my call. Well, no. Well, okay. So the Prime um, subscription rate has been going up and up and up and up. And that is not just because of the shipping. Like, the price of the brick has really gone up. And they're building this NFL package into it. So it's like a hundred, it's up to $139 a year. Like you kind of don't notice it because it gets auto charged on your credit card once. And you're like, you might be like, what? That seems like a lot, but then whatever, what are you going to do? Not have prime and wait a week for shipping for your package? Like some type of Russian (laughs) surf? No. Some sort of urchin? (laughs) Some sort of peasant? No, 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 no. I need so, that. I need, like the, I need that know, shitty a, cardboard box in my house now. That that's been a big factor in this, um, in the raising of those prices. It's like they're building this like NFL and like Lord of the Rings into it, and so <laughs> that's such a weird, <laughs> weird bundling, a weird combo there. I know, but it it's true, and. I'm going to have a Lord of the Rings take and it has nothing to do with their diversity of casting. It's, I don't know anybody in my life I'm close to who's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And yet it's a massive property. Am I unusual well, in that respect? They're not people... audited by anything. Yeah. I'm just, I, because I think, okay, I'm in college educated, uh, blue world, Theoretically, for this property to be so expensive, I know the movie's made billions of dollars. I should know a bunch of Lord of the Rings heads, 
and I just know nobody. So I, know I don't know. Them. You don't. You don't know adults who play video games either, and I think that there's yeah. a pretty decent overlap in that Venn diagram. Oh, this is we're just coming to the conclusion. I'm just too cool. I mean, that's the conclusion we're coming to here. It's uh, I'm not too cool though because. I, I meant to repeat John Morant saying fuck 12 about the police on my podcast uh, with Will Kane. And I, I think I said fuck 15. And it was very embarrassing uh, that I got the number wrong. And that's something I will have to wear. Should we should we outro on that? I, I know you listen yeah. to the uh, the old the old Will Kane podcast. I just want to start um, before getting into getting into it. I saw. Oh, on Apple Podcasts. oh, the creepiness of my Siri. Just did you hear that in the background? Yeah. Of, well, that was very strange. Um, so um, I, I saw a few people getting mad at me for platforming Will Kane, and it just tickled me because he is on prime time on Fox. He goes in me. for Tucker Carlson, which he, several he, million people yeah. watch. About yeah, a my, couple my, thousand subscribers. Yes, <laughs> my, paywalled, of- <laughs> my paywalled podcast is listened to by a few thousand people, which I am proud of that a few thousand people will pay to listen to an ad-free podcast and it affords me a, de- a decent living. But it's hilarious the way the whole platform term gets used where I can't believe you provided a platform of a few few thousand people to host this guy talk millions to on a we- at least weekly basis yeah yeah it's just uh, highly amusing and people I, have I, no idea how big fox news's audience is no idea or it's just they care about what's going on in their sandbox and not what's going on in the place they and think. he didn't say anything that like any reasonable person could consider to be heinous on the podcast either and by the way he's a really nice guy in real life like a genuine like good friend um as you guys talked about like he had like a very you know friendly relationship with kate fagan when they were co-hosts and they, those two couldn't have more different politics um like he, he's somebody who like in real life i don't know if anybody's ever had a problem with him i did i do have a friend who didn't like some of his political takes so you never know i mean podcasts are very unpredictable that way where you talk and you kind of black out a little bit and you forget what you talked about and then somebody else will um, absorb the information differently. So y- you just don't know. But I've noticed that the Will Kane pod that I did had a very high variance in terms of response. And a lot of people are just kind of angry at the idea of him uh, for whatever for whatever reason is something I also took away from, from some of the reaction. And it, it, my producer prepped me for it uh, before I did the pod. But I don't care about that stuff. And Okay, here's a rule. It's not a very generous rule. It's not as thoughtful, Ryan, as maybe we try to be. Anybody who talks earnestly about platforming is a loser. There, I said it. Boom. <laughs> I, I said it. I said it. I said it. I meant it. I mean, come on. This is enough of this already. Uh, well, especially when the platforms are so mismatched, as we as we just said, we're like, <laughs> Literally several thousand times as many people watch him on TV every time he's on as, um, like, if 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 every one of your subscribers listened to the podcast, 2,000 times more people would watch him when he fills in for Tucker Carlson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, but there's sort of this idea that you can't i don't know allow these people to uh influence tender ears i mean i don't even know what the idea of it is i don't have children really listening or subscribing to, well, to my we're podcast. both so like anti-censorship because the um like let's say he is propagating like hate speech or disinformation <laughs> the solution to that is not to just you know cover your ears and say la 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 the solution to it is more speech and like well i also don't know what take in particular i also don't know what take in particular um is the one that is beyond the pale i mean maybe somebody has an idea of it and they they have their own thing that they were mad at i I think like jews should be 
you know, murdered in gas chambers or whatever. It's not. I, I didn't like when Will said that at the 44 minute mark. I'll admit, you know, I felt no, like I should have pushed back. That would be like particularly pleasant to hear. But even yeah. that is something where like, you know, the, the Nazis have like won at the Supreme Court, like the right to <laughs> march in this country. And we haven't been overtaken by them. Uh, yeah. Knock on wood. I, I, I'm just yeah I'm just not neurotic about this um and I that's just not hey it's just not how I want to go about things and I don't want to respond to the social incentives or worry about it I just want to talk to whoever I might be able to have an an interesting conversation with and yeah but there are some limits sometimes you know sometimes there might be an interesting person you probably don't want to have like Alex Jones on I mean, would he do it? <laughs> okay. I, this, I is the last, this is the last topic. A, I would bet he's available. <laughs> this is the, this is Robert Sarver. <laughs> Board of Governors. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is the last topic. Did you notice, Ryan, that uh, a lot of media people and NBA Twitter people freaking out about Kyrie Irving Posting an old Alex Jones clip. Is that I, something that I like crossed a really overbrought tweet from the Daily Beast about it? And I saw, you know, there was lots of I told you so's. Um, like, <laughs> it's like, well, I knew that Kyrie was out there and all of you were trying to defend him. <laughs> but I told you, look, he's an Alex Jones conspiracy theorist. He might have, like, you don't know. If he actually believes that stuff, maybe he does, but he might also just be sitting there like smoking a blunt, laughing at the inevitable reaction from posting that. Or he might know nothing about Alex Jones and also the content of what Alex Jones was saying. It was kind of conspiratorial, but there wasn't anything really said in the clip that was even objectionable. And it was some old clip of Alex Jones when he had his hair which was interesting. And it's also, who cares? I don't know. Like, do we, I, I, I was never right, looking like, to... Well, that's the thing is they built these athletes up, you know, more than an athlete thought leader. Um, you know, LeBron is just like the third coming of Moses. And you know, when, when you build them up like that and then they disappoint you, the fall is hard. Yes. And they built him up and he was a moral leader and he was willing to pop the bubble for the sake of justice. And he was praised for that. Um, and then they got to bring him back he, down when he goes. Yeah, against Kyrie the narrative. was like, really, he was the one like kind of pushing players just to not come back to the court. In oh, the way by the way, like, another thing that the media, another thing that the media, not in unison, but there were aspect of media i think i might have seen it in sports illustrated that that was praising Kyrie Woj and let's defend Woj here was crushing Kyrie but that would have cost the nba billions of dollars <laughs> like what would have it what would it have solved so that that's another instance of you don't you don't listen you don't listen to the media but it's there's something fundamentally odd about this insistence that because somebody has a platform we have to care about everything they say and worry about it. And you saw something similar with the Anthony Edwards situation where, look, I mean, that's I an ugly. With Anthony Edwards, I saw very little coverage of it. I saw very few tweets about it. Um, I, you know, the post covered it. I saw like the headline on ESPN, but, you know, I didn't see a segment on like first take about it or whatever. You yeah. Know? Stephen A didn't say, put the camera on me right now. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I think part of it is a little bit to his credit that he's, he's likable. And so I don't think there's this hunger to tear him down. He's he like what inner 20. Yeah. He hasn't won enough that people resent him. He's got some sort of gift when it comes to uh, just, his personality and uh, he was really good in that movie. He was a compelling actor. And so I don't think anyone would take joy in trying to uh, rip him that much right now. And so the coverage was muted, but I did see some people 
of the blue check ilk, you know, um, going into, again, the platform thing. He's got a platform. People look up to him. Therefore, therefore, therefore. And maybe we should just quite, there's something very paternalistic about it. This idea that you need to adopt a certain mentality and say things in a certain way because there are all these idiots out there who are going to look to you for moral instruction because they're idiots. I mean, I don't look to you for moral instruction. I'm way too smart. But all these other people are total dummies, and therefore we need you to message in a way that will make them understand how to live correctly. Hey, maybe there's something to that perspective, but it's not a perspective I share. Right. (laughs) Neither of us do. Yeah. Um, no, and, and I don't think the sixty-eight people still listening at one. <laughs> they're on our side, you know. Except for Charlie from Chicago is going to come up with some irascible take, and he'll push back on us, and he'll bust our balls, and we'll, we'll end up liking him anyway. Ryan Glassbeagle defends Brett Favre stealing from welfare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, we just love women's sports that much here. We—that's how much we love it. We'll take the food out of the mouths of impoverished children for the sake of women's sports. That's what we've ultimately decided on in this podcast. So I, they, think, they... I think we got to end from there. Um, <laughs> this, one was, this one was a loopy one like we projected, um, but I think we, we got at some good topics. Yeah. So. Less thoughtful on my part, more ranty. Uh, but what are you gonna do? I'm punchy. It, it is how it is. Ryan, what you got? What you got going on? What do you plug? I, I don't have anything to plug at the moment. Uh, uh, ooh, I just discovered that my my dog had um, diarrhea in the laundry room, so that's gonna. <laughs> Jesus, that's what I feel. Plug. I mean, yeah, plug that situation. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks for doing this tonight, and thanks to the listeners. And we'll be back. Good job. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right, come on.